This is episode 201 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 201 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have a good friend, Robin Valadares, on the show. Robin came on to talk about his financial literacy education, his journey, and how he's now helping other people who are in his field of physiotherapy become educated on how to manage their personal finances. And a big part of that puzzle is investing in real estate. So Robin's not one-dimensional when it comes to his investing. He, of course, loves real estate. We got into a really cool Airbnb case study where Robin actually is house hacking his existing house and renting out a bedroom and making a couple of grand a month off of renting out that room on Airbnb. And he became a super host in the process. So super valuable experience and a cool story and case study to go through on the show. Robin's also into options trading. He talked a little bit about how that's going, talked about crypto, what's going on in the space, the recent collapse of one of the biggest exchanges in crypto and much, much more was covered in this episode. So I'm confident you're going to enjoy it. As always, I'm just going to mention the GTA West REI meetup now up and running. The events are happening monthly. So if you you would like to attend one of our events and meet fellow like-minded investors and learn what your peers are up to, I highly recommend it. Make sure that you check out the link in the description of this video or in the show notes of this episode and join up to our Facebook group so that you can get notified the next time we have an event. Also, I want to remind you about REI Hot Seat, my weekly deal analysis show on YouTube. It's available and an episode drops every Wednesday. Please make sure that you check out that channel, subscribe to it and hit the notification bell there so that you can be notified every time we launch a new video. We cover all kinds of different deals that are on the market right now, as well as deals that have closed and market updates. You're not going to want to miss out. Make sure you subscribe to that channel. Now, without further ado, please enjoy episode 201 with Robin Valadares. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got Robin Valadares, old friend, golfed many years together. You were originally a listener of the podcast. I still am. Yeah, yeah, I was. yeah, yeah that's correct. And um, yeah, we've, we've hung out a bunch since then. So yeah. uh, Robin, I think this was probably long overdue. Uh, we kind of chatted about it, found a, you know, kind of a topic matter we were going to cover today. And uh, so obviously you're an investor. Everybody who comes on the show is. That's right. And uh, and then you're also into financial literacy, which we're going to dig into, which I think is a nice compliment to being an investor. That's right. You're doing, uh, I think, options trading as, uh, well. Yeah, as well. Yeah. So you kind of got a little bit of uh, a lot of different things you're doing. That's right. And uh, well, first off, thanks for doing this. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, well, what's new? I haven't talked to you in a little while. Oh, oh, I think the most uh, pressing thing that's just finished last month, I actually, after 18 years of banking with one institution, I finally switched banks entirely and went to a different division because they offered me the best product for all three of my properties as a lending arm. So my goal two years ago was to give us access to capital to take advantage of potential deals coming down the pipeline. So you wanted like access on lines or? Yeah, on lines, on lines. And through some personal things I've gone through, um, I was unable to do it for a period of time both mm-hmm. with the COVID lockdown and being a physiotherapist, we were closed for a period of time and you had a hard time deriving some sort of income. Yeah. And then going through a separation, that also kind of impeded my ability to qualify. Oh, yeah. Because you, you go through the challenge of separation as well as being self-employed and owning a corporation. Banks don't look too favorably upon you. Oh, no, that's a storm. <laughs> a storm of something. <laughs> yeah. So finally, after getting about a year underneath my belt showing that I can earn an income by myself without a, a partner, the bank's like, okay, I can take you under and go through some refinancing. Yeah. So I finally got that settled. Now I have access to capital. Now I get to go shopping. Do you think it was like a bank-specific thing here or was it more situational? I think it was situational. Just situational. You're a self-employed individual. Your 2020 year of income was poor relative to the other ones. Yeah. And then you have a one source versus two sources and you're self-employed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. I, uh. I remember talking to my uh, my barber and he was saying, I think I forget which year it was. I think it was 2020, like no profit. Like it hurt a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who does like guest service, they, they, the fact that government would just, yep, you're done. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, regardless of any situations. Yeah. And yeah. what it to- taught me then is that regardless of your education class or status, yeah. at any point in time, you can the, fa- the faucet is turned off. Yeah. And unless you have other diversifications of income. Yeah, multiple streams, yeah. Woo. Yeah, to be to be entirely reliant on one source of income is so, so dangerous. And that's all they teach yeah. you in school. Yeah, like a job is one source of income. Like all all that has to happen is is your employer has to put you in a position where you're forced to do something unethical or you're not comfortable with, or you say, No, I'm not doing that and they fire you. 
and then your income's gone. Okay. And for people who um, who have a family to feed, they might just say, well, I can't, I can't not have a job, so I'll do it. Um, yeah, as a, as a man of principle, that situation would never work for me. So uh, I guess that's why I've never been a very good employee. But, uh, and, you know, so you're self-employed. Obviously, you probably felt like that that really put you in a position where you had some flex. But when all of a sudden, you know, the government did, does what they did, I don't think anybody saw that coming. None. No. And here's one of the big fallacies is that you spend your life, I spent six years in school developing a degree, and they teach you to get one source of income. What they do not teach you how to do is how to diversify. So if that source were taken away from you, chiropractors, yeah. physios, massage therapists, osteopaths, what do you do? Well, think about the majors in, in university. Like, I mean, I went to, I started out going to King's College and then switched to Ivy after two years. And I mean, at King's College, it's like you're studying religious studies, poli-sci, philosophy, like sociology. I mean, sociology is actually quite useful. But uh, a lot of these other ones, it's like they're not going to help you function in the real world. To a degree, they do. I mean, I don't mean to put those degrees down. I'm just saying that there are uh, other degrees. And I just saw a list the other day of, of like the top 10 degrees people regret getting. And <laughs> some of those, were in the top 10. Okay. Um, I did not see business administration in the top 10 or economics in the top 10. I okay. think that those are, although maybe a little bit more boring to take, depending on your interests, yeah. more more useful. Anywho, more not to get too Agreed. tangent here. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> what did you study? You, well, you obviously studied like uh, uh, yeah. kinesiology. Kinesiology and yeah, then yeah. physiotherapy afterwards. Okay, yeah. Which very, very applicable skills that are you know needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so super, uh, super useful, but of course, you want to have more than just that in case something happens, right? Like what happens if you have an injury oh, and you can't practice? You're so right. Yeah. You're, you're just concentrated all your risk into one income stream. Yeah. So this this like kind of like wake up for you and you started your education, you started your courses. Um, like this was really stemming from 2020 onward? Um, what question? A lot. That's when I took action. Yeah. Because I was very comfortable prior to. Uh, but what really shook me initially to get on the financial literacy thing was my preceptor at the time, 10 years ago, um, she asked me, Robin, how many physiotherapists do you know practicing over the age of 55 or 60? Yeah. And in our skill set, you work with people on a daily basis, you use your hands, your body, your mind. There's not many practitioners over the age of 55, 60 practicing. So yeah. I made me think, if I can't, my ability to earn income is finite. Yeah. 25 to 50. Well, what do people do afterwards? And how do I yeah. build up an egg that it can last me to retirement? And mm-hmm. you know full well right now, the biggest risk to retirement is not how much money you have, it's how long you're going to live. Mm-hmm. Many people say up to 65, but they can't make it to 85. Yeah. So that told me, get on how do people uh, develop wealth. And that's where real estate came in earlier on when I started yeah. practicing. Yeah, obviously you were listening to the podcast. Had you already invested when you started listening to the yes. podcast? Fortunately, in 2014, I was listening to Bigger Pockets, and that was mm-hmm. the only thing real estate based back then. Thankfully, yeah. I found you through some uh, connections. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, this is very Canadian centric. So yeah, there was nothing really Canadian focused back then. I mean, I didn't even know about Bigger Pockets. Man, if I had known about podcasts back in like 2011 or 12, I would have started one then. Yeah. yeah. Just to get all, all these investors talking to me. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> that way I could have learned. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it would have been really helpful. Okay, so you had already started the education. What do you What do you have as far as uh, real estate investments go? So uh, I have three properties, including my own primary residence, mm-hmm. uh, a single family end unit townhome in Ancaster, mm-hmm. which I purchased in 2014. Okay. Um, and then I purchased my primary residence in Stony Creek, and then uh, a secondary rental property in, in uh, St. Catharines in 2017. Okay, and you've hung on to those, mm-hmm. um, probably done some refinancing, extracted yeah. some money out of them to expand. Yes. yes. Okay. I didn't know there was a thing that you could take out a line of credit against one of your properties and use it as a down payment for a secondary, and I did that yeah. with my my Ancaster to St. Catharines property. I was like, this is life changing when you can recycle money like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, especially when things are going up. Oh, mm-hmm. Hopefully, uh, sooner than later, we get to that point again <laughs> so we can see stuff <laughs> going up. Yeah. Um, okay, so you mentioned that you're doing some Airbnb or that's in your plan. Yeah. Um, talk me through one of these you know, properties or is that something that you're looking to buy? Or is, Are you going to do that with something you own or, yes. or are you going to be adding that in? It was a hybrid. So I knew at the start of this year, uh, having the house to myself, um, that I wanted to purchase certain things down the road. Um, but I, I'm off the mindset, if I can generate an income stream to buy things I want, then that's the best thing to do rather than taking out debt or anything else. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I have a home to myself now. Uh, let me rent out a bedroom and a bathroom and Airbnb. Because mm-hmm. the goal is always to go down somewhere in the States, kind of where you are, to do the Airbnb thing there. But if I don't understand it, I'm not mm-hmm. going to invest in it. So I want to understand it firsthand being a host. So this summer, this past summer, uh, a single bedroom and bathroom in Stony Creek, I was busier than ever. Serious? Oh man! I Talk did me not expect that. how busy I was. Literally, Andrew, I did not have a social life. 
that that reminds me of Aaron Bay, like because him and Ariana, they they did uh, their house they, when they were like students or they were going yeah. to school and they just yeah. rented out all the different rooms. Yeah. Brilliant. Hey, friends, I just wanted to pause the episode for a moment and tell you about my brand new sponsor, Control and Compound Financial. Darren Mitchell specifically, he was recently on the show on episode 198 and he explained the concept of infinite banking. Darren and I got to chatting because he had recently heard that I was going to be bringing on some sponsors and he pitched me his idea. Well, I got to say, I really liked the way he explained the concept of infinite banking. It's something a lot of people in the community have talked to me about. I've heard it brought up multiple times. There's clearly an interest there. And uh, why not have somebody sponsor the show that can articulate it well and help potential clients if it's the right fit for them? So with that said, Darren is actually offering a special consultation to help educate viewers of this show. And if that's something that you're interested in, I highly suggest you first off watch episode 198 to have a good basis of what it is. And then you can visit controllingcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines and book a consultation with a member of Darren's team. As I bring on more sponsors, I'm really looking to make sure that they're a value add for my audience and also for the sponsors themselves to create a true win-win. And I think this is that. So I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this message. Let's get back to the episode. So you did that. So mm-hmm. just one room you rented out. One bedroom and one bathroom. And that, like, did you like serve breakfast or you're just like. <sighs> just coffee in the Keurig. But yeah. here's the thing with Airbnbs. You show them the amenities they have access to. So they have the backyard they want. They have the uh, barbecue. They have a parking spot. They have the living room with their own TV. Yeah. Whether they use it is another thing. But people make decisions based on the amenities. Mm. That's going to sway their decision. But when they come, they're in and out. They're going to weddings. They're doing yeah. wine tours. They're raising friends and family. They're not use anything. So these people, you started from a fresh Airbnb profile? Like yeah. You had nothing known? I was fortunate three years ago I was thinking of doing this. Yeah. And I had Airbnb actually come in with professional photographers and take photos of the place. Okay. And nothing's really changed. So they were really crisp photos. And they've been storaged until this year. Yeah. But they were fresh. I did all the shopping myself. I'm not very creative yeah. or decorative but okay. yeah, yeah okay so you had the photos but you didn't have any transactions you had no stays on your airbnb profile okay so people are agreeing this is the thing like and i just got my first taste of airbnb i had never actually been a host until the campground and um you know we did i think we did uh, 170 plus reviews over wow. the course of the summer between everything and you know hopefully we'll have that up into like the 600s after next summer okay but uh it, it was an interesting experience. I didn't think that, well, up there I thought it would be a bit easier because we were at a camp. But I mean, renting out a bedroom in, in your house, are people open to that? Like they, they don't know you mm-hmm. and you're just some guy to them. <laughs> right. And they're going to come stay in your house. Did you find it just got snapped up? I, I did. I think that after the first couple of reviews, people were, took a little more, um, didn't have much a caution to it. But the good thing about Airbnb is they know me as a person based on my reviews as being a guest. Okay, so you had a tracker. Yes, I've done it since for five or six years. So they yeah, knew who yeah. I was that way. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what their mindset was, but I think it was cheap enough compared yeah. to the competition that they're willing to take a risk. So what, what month did you uh, start renting in? February. Started renting in February, and how much uh, were you getting per night then, and did it change? Yes, so February I was pretty much dead. February, March, pretty dead. It was $70 uh, a stay. So Plus, $70 a night? A night. And then what was your cleaning fee? 19 So so basically... Uh, $89. $89 for a one night. Yeah. Did, were most one night stays? I think the majority was like 2.2, 2. yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. two was more of an average yeah, stay. Yeah, average. Okay, um, and did that price change at all yes it's gone up the peak summer and long weekends or 100 105 dollars a night and i bumped the cleaning fee up to 24 dollars because things were getting more expensive okay so i'm trying to work the work the numbers here so you're eventually averaging 100 bucks a night and fully busy like all the time i was at 66 to 70 percent occupancy in three months of the summer so let's say 20 so you're basically averaging 20 nights a a -hmm. month so 20 nights a month at 100 bucks that's two grand two grand so two grand a month, just that's yeah, gross, and then net. Yeah, what would you have had net? Probably three hundred dollars. I uh, so the cost like, three hundred dollars, seventeen hundred dollars would be net. So to pay a cleaner or something. I clean it myself, clean but the supplies. Just like, I, I okay. ask each guest before they come in. I'm gonna go shopping. What particular fruits would you like? And I'll go shopping based on what they give me answers for. Fruits. 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 Oh, you provide fruit. Fruits and yeah. particular fruits for them. Yeah. So I'll go shopping, do that, and I'll okay. cleaning and other supplies. That yeah, about three hundred bucks. Nice. Okay, so 
This is an interesting concept because could you not do it with two bedrooms in your house? I, yeah, so that's the next thing. That's next year. <laughs> so, I mean, somebody theoretically, I mean, although every city is becoming difficult now, like in Hamilton, are you allowed to Airbnb out your, yes. your house even if yes. you don't live there? I don't know if you don't live there. So I'm, did they, yeah, because most municipalities seem to be coming in with this control where you have to, uh, can only be your primary residence and it can only be a certain number of nights a year. Mm-hmm. So Hamilton sent out, Airbnb actually notified me that Hamilton's having a, a committee about this and making some changes and they wanted my opinion and sent me sent me a templated letter sent to the MPs about okay. how to uh, go about this responsibly. Yeah, okay. But I think since it's owner-occupied, I might skirt underneath that. Yeah, you're owner-occupied. So how many bedrooms is your house? Four. Four. So you just need to hire yourself some staff and then you do all, <laughs> you do three of them. Three of them. I mean, of course that changes your experience in your home though. It does. Yeah. So you want your, I got to a point, Andrew, where I wanted to book out days in advance to have my own private time. Yeah. Because it's something to come home and not worry about what you're wearing, what you're cooking, what you're listening to, what you're singing to. Yeah. It'd be nice if, I mean, would it change anything if it's a secondary unit? Can you Airbnb it? I think that does change something. Yes. It's, it, see, this is where Hamilton could be really great because most of the units are illegal. <laughs> you got the, hey, it's not its own unit. So right. <laughs> bye-bye, bylaw. Um I just, yeah, bylaw is uh, something uh, fairly, they're like, um, hmm, what's a good analogy for bylaw? I mean, the mafia I've heard, <laughs> but I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, they, they just keep coming back. There's something out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, no, but no, it just no. keeps coming back. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, we, we've dealt with them a little bit up at our, our camp about just silly, silly, silly stuff, and, and they just keep on coming back anyways i guess some of the neighbors weren't too happy with with what we did so they just call and they try and cause problems for us just uh, as a headache just just to be a problem for us yeah it's a mindset up there which i've come to learn is that there's these you know people who have this mindset not to get to tangent here yeah. but I, I find this fascinating so i mean for you if you had a fixed rate mortgage maybe that even uh, covers most of your mortgage payment there and that's a house yeah. hack that's an effective house right. hack. right like a new age one versus the typical two units or duplex. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's like, I mean, I think that that's probably going to become fairly popular. More people are probably going to do that. Now, what's the profile? Like, who is it that's that's coming in and staying? Like you said, they're going to wine tours. Yeah. Is it like, is there an age range? Is there a gender? Like, um, yeah, great question. Because I get this often when I talk to people about it. Because they're like, people actually rent from you? I'm like, yeah. It's usually couples. So two people come. Two people. Because it's a, it's a queen bed. Okay. Uh, couples, and they're either either coming from Buffalo, going up to Toronto, or the reverse, and they has a convenient stop on the way to either go to the wine tours or okay. explore Hamilton. And some, they'll stay for a couple nights. A couple nights. Yeah. Some will come for weddings out of town, and mm-hmm. they're going to Niagara Falls. And rather than staying in Niagara Lake, and they're charging you three times what I'm charging, that's a 20-minute mm-hmm. drive or 30-minute drive, they'll stop at my place. I have yeah. a couple's on the way to Niagara, to uh, Wonderland, stopping in to explore the area. Because I'm fortunate I'm not close to the lake, so it's a nicer area. And you must be like, I, I haven't seen your listing, I haven't seen your house, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming that it's you know decently nice. You must be one of the nicer listings for a bedroom, or and and one of the cheap cheaper yes. options available. Yes. I try to do both. I'm very yeah. particular about cleaning and make sure yeah. it's very nice. Yeah. So yeah. And it's, yeah, undercutting. And now I've got review and I've been... The reviews are big, right? Big. So did you get Superhost? I did. Yeah, so I there did. you go. Yeah. Now, now that you're a Superhost with, with a single bedroom, I mean, yeah. that's so valuable. Yeah, it, it does rank you quite a bit. Yeah. And there's only two or three houses in my five-kilometer radius doing the same thing. And they're all about 10 to 20% more than me. So you undercut your competition. You're about 60, 65% occupied throughout the year now. Correct. Even as a super, uh, well, now as a super host, I think you get pushed more. Yeah, I'm pushed more, but right now it's a, a it's slower season. season, right? Yeah, I mean, who really wants to visit Hamilton in November? <laughs> and if I'm not on the property, I don't rent it out. I have to be there. That is that is tricky. Yeah. So the the sweet spot, I would think, would be you buy one of these um, illegal duplexes, <laughs> and the second non-unit to skirt the bylaw is rented out, but then you have separation. Then you're not yeah. they're not in your living you're space. Right. Yeah. And then that works really great. But this whole uh, Airbnb house hack thing is uh, is great as long as the bylaws aren't going to mess with you. Yeah. That's the big variable. Yeah. I think what the benefit also I have over my competitions is I don't need this for a living. Yeah. It's not a necessity. So I can undercut and still get money because it's better than nothing. Or some yeah. people might actually use it to pay off their mortgage payment because they're highly levered underwater. What would you say it takes like time-wise from you to do it? Uh, for clean, I think it takes me two hours. Two hours per guest. Yeah. That's tough. I like it because I'm going to clean the house anyways. I do the whole house. Yeah. And I'm going to listen to podcasts while I do it. So I learn. 
Yeah, I gotcha. So I'm going to do it anyways. Now I'm getting paid to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it takes a little more time. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know what, though? Like, it's it's nice if that allows you to save up and work towards something. Like, I, I love those hustles. Like, when you do something with a goal in mind. Like, yeah. is there a goal in mind with it? Or is it experiment? I know you said yeah. you want to go south. You wanted the experience. I think that's all fantastic. Like, trying it, you'll never understand something like you will if you try it. And now you're super host. Think about that experience. Like, you know what it takes to yeah. deliver that experience. That kind of product. And the goal was, in February, I said I want to buy a whole suite of new tech for my business. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, going to cost me five or $6,000. Yeah. So what I did is I every month after I made a certain amount, took my net profits, invested it, yeah. and now I'm going to sell that in the next couple, actually t- 10 days from now, to buy my products. Yeah. I'm going to show my students, hey, you can take something you already have, develop an income stream, use it to buy what you yeah. want, and it can be very yeah. tax favorable because you do it in your business. Yeah, you know, I used to... Um just on the side just you know do little like handyman hustles and you know use the money i made to buy tools and like built up my uh, like the tools i own based on on that you know it works out it's nice side cash yeah so similar mentality because i always just like to have like something i was doing that i didn't really have to spend on my card you know i had like cash that i just made that that was for my everyday spending yeah Yeah. smart and you can use it as a business expense later on. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, give me your, you know, your shtick, your your financial literacy, because I know you kind of hinted at it, a couple of things, and yeah. obviously this Airbnb thing plays into it. Like, if somebody asks you, hey, why are you educating, and what are you educating? Because you and I, we've gone through that secondary education, or and you've taught at London before. You've taught the economics program. I, I yeah, right I, I taught uh, intro business class intro at business. Uh, for Ivy at Western. Yeah. How much time did you spend learning about the? basics of financial literacy through your schooling none and you're in the, the field yeah well i mean i i studied entrepreneurship in a large degree uh but even that is that basics of financial literacy is it practical know. or is it's it more very, theory it is practical in our case it was a case-based class, okay. of course very rare but most people don't every I, I went to the the most practical version of it you could okay. and even that's not perfect okay yeah we had an hour in our master's program and it was a financial advisor pitching us what we should do with our money and more inclined to spend it or use it yeah. with him. Invest it with us and we'll only charge a 3% fee even if you lose. Precisely. Yeah. And I found this huge kind of travesty. We have so many graduates but no one really knows the basics of financial literacy. You leave school with student debt, you don't know how mm-hmm. to pay it off. You want to buy a house, you don't know what a mortgage is, what the basics are, yeah. you don't want a down payment is. So I was like, okay, I'm struggling with this and I do this, I love learning yeah. about this. My peers are, and not only my peers, the farther reach of people. Mm-hmm. So just in 2020, uh, 2021, I uh, wrote what I would love to know if I went back 10 years ago and when I first started my career. What are the basics? What mistakes did I make to lose money on? How much time did I spend and lose time on? Mm. So I don't have to make the same mistakes or my students don't have to make the same mistakes. So I created kind of two courses, the basics, the intro, the beginner course, and then the intermediate, the practical courses on how do you actually take the money you've learned and how to invest it. Mm -hmm. All without any financial education or knowledge, right? This is all learned through podcasts like yourself, a lot of eBooks, Audible, trial and error. And that's, again, I, I really do think that's by design. Like I think, I think that it is up to us to learn these things. And uh, you know, good on you for going out there. I, I think for me, one of the most interesting things, and I, like, like I said, I did get at least a bit of it from school. Not a lot, but a bit. Uh, one of the most interesting things I learned was the matching principle for debt. Okay. Like short-term sources should match short-term uses. So if you're, if you're gonna buy, um, you know, a loaf of bread, you put that on a credit card, pay it off within 30 days, you're not going to put that, you know, take out a long-term loan and pay back over 10 years and just kind of like the basics, you know, so I kind of had to rid myself and, you know, there's obviously different schools of thought, but um, I really, you know, even coming into working for pro funds as a mortgage broker is like, there's, there's quote unquote good debt uh which some people would would disagree with and then there's the bad debt which Mm -hmm. i mean the bad debt is is where you you know take money out against your house to to buy you know something silly and can't make the payment back and whatever versus borrowing a long-term mortgage for a rental property that's going to generate cash flow and and enhance the wealth of your family that's that's um arguably good debt absolutely if you believe that. I mean, of course, according to the Old Testament, it's all bad. But <laughs> So that was one of the, the interesting things. I mean, obviously, I got bits and pieces of it being in a business program, looking at financial statements, seeing how cash flows, understanding assets, liabilities, equity, and all that stuff. Is that some of the stuff you get into? Absolutely. It's uh, like 
also diversification diversification of your income streams but we start with the basics there's not many there's many people i talk to physicians uh, chiropractors and ask them what a stock or a bond or an etf or a mutual fund is and they couldn't tell you what that is mm-hmm. they don't know the difference between a tfsa and rsp many yeah. people in our field are employees are you serious they don't know tfsa or RSP? no idea so like we're talking like absolute like next to no knowledge basics yeah basics like what what do they understand like if i if <laughs> If I don't have the money in the account, it, it won't go through. <laughs> Here's a, here a good case in point. When yeah. I ask uh, my employees, uh, my friends who are employees at the Hamilton Healthcare, they have a RSP matching part of their, their benefits. Yeah. So I ask them, hey, Susie, um, how much do you get matched a year? I get 4%. Okay. Where does your money go? It goes in my RSP. Do you know what your RSP is invested in? Do you know the fees you pay, how fast no. it grows? Yeah, None of them. And I was in that. You know what? I went to business school and I was in that group. I had a teacher's pension at Western, didn't know what it was invested in, didn't know anything about anything. Yeah. And even like I, my one biggest regret from back then was that I didn't buy a rental property as soon as I got my teaching contract. I should have, because I lived with two guys I graduated with. Oh, wow. I could have just said, hey guys, how about this? I'll buy a house, you guys be, you guys just pay me rent. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have it. And I could have house hacked back then, built up some equity. like just didn't know didn't know. You know like if i had known what we know today it would have been a no-brainer but i was too afraid of all that back then right but the education is what makes you actually want to pull the trigger on this stuff yeah and awareness and being around enough people doing it where you're like i'm the odd man out for not doing not it. doing it yeah that's yeah. like you got to put yourself in that room like find really smart successful people doing what you want to do and to the point where you feel uncomfortable because you haven't done it yet agreed <laughs> totally agree yeah yeah, that's the, the idea with the meetups, too. That was a big part of, of why why do those, because then it gets people to come out and, you know, all of a sudden it pushes them to, to do more. Be there and ask questions and learn from it, right? Be there, ask questions and see it, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be, you know, they're just people like you and I, you know, that it's are doing It's funny it. how you say that because you, you hold them in certain regard and you meet them face to face. They're just regular, regular people. Girls yeah, and I gals. think for some reason, some people put me up on the on the pedestal and then it just kind of like, hey, I'm just <laughs> just a guy a like, that started yeah. talking on the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually had this happen the other day. A guy shouts at me and you never know when somebody calls your name like, hey, are you Andrew? I think some guy, it's a homeless guy going to ask me for money. <laughs> In fairness, this guy knows who he is. You did not look homeless, but it was before I looked. Okay. You, you were a very well to do, well to do man. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so he's like, you Andrew Heights? Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm like, that's, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's f- funny that, that those type of things happen. But, you know, if, you, if you're around Burlington a lot, you'll eventually see me somewhere. It comes with the fame, Andrew. Yeah, it comes with the fame. It's my, my, micro, my micro fame. <laughs> it, and it usually happens somewhere around Denninger's. I was there with my, my okay. wife. And uh, so in the mall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, she's got 30 minutes to wealth, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, somebody's Power just couple. like... He kept looking at her, oh. and she's like, what's going on? He's like, oh, this might be awkward, but are you on TV? <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll enjoy our micro-fame. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Um, okay, so we had, we had some th- stuff we were going to go over you had sent me. Um, obviously, the first, the first one, and we've probably covered some of this, um, but you talked about, so why did you want to um, start the financial literacy education program you talked about that so people you knew yeah. weren't really doing it weren't doing it and they didn't were know anything yeah. they didn't know so it. what are some of the the things that you see uh them knowing now like how have you helped them and what do you see them knowing now i think a big thing is people didn't know where their money was going they'll make their five thousand dollars a month and at the end of the month they have nothing and they're like well, where does your money go if you don't have a particular goal you don't know where your money is going how do you know you're making the best use of your time because mm-hmm. you're trading your time for money, and that's the biggest thing we do in our profession. We are stuck in a clinic for a certain amount of hours a day, and we have a finite amount of time. Mm-hmm. We can't earn an income irrespective of our location or time like other people can. Yeah. So they don't know where their money's going. They don't know the possibilities out there, and they, they, they want to know that it's not shady or high risk. That's the big mm-hmm. thing. When you're an employee, you generally have uh, very low risk tolerance because mm-hmm. that's why you have that role. You want the security, you want the hours, you want the pension, you want the benefits. It's a false security, but it is Agreed. security all the same. Very Exactly. So mm-hmm. you have a certain, you kind of bias yourself to a certain type of a person. But now they can see regular people like you and me do certain things and have the life they might want. Mm-hmm. When I say the life, well, not the glamorous things, but the time freedom of things. Yeah. You really do what you want when you want to, when you can go and see Wellington anytime you want. Mm-hmm. That's freedom, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what you have in your wallet, but you have the ability to do that. That's yeah. what I want to show these people you can do. 
Yeah, I mean, and you pointed out something important, and we all have to consider it in our roles, like what we do uh, for income is, yeah, eventually one day that might not work or that might dry up for one reason or another. So you never want to be uh, stuck to that one thing, right? You got to constantly be looking for new ways to leverage your time so that you're not you're not having to be there you're able to empower others and still profit from it and being the business owner i think is is a a great way to do that if you can obviously that's pretty advanced for what you're teaching you're you're more teaching let's just get started on diversifying income correct so diversification will help uh, maintain your wealth and concentration will help kind of mm-hmm. build it right so teaching those principles yeah basic stuff initially and then the with the intermediate yeah. course it's more complex stuff like the burr wholesaling so you're teaching that stuff too yeah. how to do those those I, ideas i talk about the tr- traditional yeah. asset classes and then yeah. the, the more alternative ones where it's crypto where i invest in or art or wine other asset classes Interesting. So diversify those don't cash flow though crypto they, they, art and wine. they don't those are, those are the fundamental things. You know what? And, and way back, people wanted, you know, kept asking me about crypto. I've never, I've never uh, um, strayed from that. I do think it's a tool. I do think crypto is a tool. Uh, don't get me wrong. I just, when you can't cash flow from it, and obviously the, uh, you know, there's no gold backing or something. But yes, yeah. totally, totally, uh, especially when governments can, you know, inflate the dollar and, de- you know, deflate it. But then I look at the last year with Bitcoin and, you know, went from 60,000 high. I think I just checked it out. It was like 20,000 the other day. Yeah. That hurts. It, it does. But yeah. what's your time horizon? Yeah. So zoom out four years and it was at 3,000. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, right? it's, it's gone up and down. Look at your Canadian dollar, US dollar. Zoom out four years. It's also a lot more worth it, back then than it is currently. It, it's 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 absolutely changed a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it, you know if that's a little piece of the the portfolio, um, certainly uh, you know I think some people have a comfort level with. Let's throw a little at that and see what Agreed. happens there. Yeah, one three five percent of your portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Let's throw a little well. bit there, see what happens, and uh, and also have some other stuff going on. Uh, what what do you know about the uh, the exchange thing that just happened? FTX. Yeah. So. It's a second big was the second biggest exchange, mm-hmm. and usually for crypto for crypto for yeah. crypto yes yeah. worldwide because there's a lot more prominent uh, outside of North America than it is inside North America. Yeah, and I think what happened uh, the owner or the the Sam Bankman Fried the actual uh, yeah the the founder of it was using customer deposits and lending out to another department that he yeah, owned he called Almeida money. Research. Yeah, and then when they had. It, it was leaked about a week yeah. earlier that they didn't have sufficient funds to manage it. There was a bank run like they did back in 2008. Yeah, the yeah. Big, and everybody came calling for their yeah, money. Yeah, and then they went under, yeah. They couldn't, yeah, couldn't satisfy that. Yeah, that's, that's so wild. The most wild thing, I think, next to Bernie Madoff was the name. Bankman Fried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's Fried. Yeah, yeah. What other so, names? So there's there's Bernie Madoff made off with everybody's money. The Bankman's yeah. fried. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, what else have we got? I mean, there's there's so many like that. It's like, how did they do that? Like, <laughs> and he was in, yeah, he was influential in politics. Yeah. He was a big go- a donor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, there's many layers to that. So, um, not to get tangent yeah, here, yeah, but. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just uh, an interesting conversation. Do you what have you seen as that created opportunities as far as you know that side of the business goes? Like, I mean, I'm sure that scared a lot of people uh, and, and caused values to go down a bit. It did, yeah. uh, and it, I think it teaches people a lesson that they might not have been privy to because it happened in 2017 and it happened in 2014, where these major exchanges will go under mm-hmm. and people house all their value on that exchange. On that exchange, and then you lost it. You lost yeah, it, yeah. or yeah. it's held up in courts. Yeah. So it's important to know that when you have an exchange, it's valuable to take your yeah. money off it from the warm wallet to a yeah. cold wallet. How is it? Yeah, like a hard, a hard wallet. Hard like, wallet, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was actually like, again, I'm not completely opposed. It's just like for me, like the whole crypto thing is like, yeah, maybe throw a little bit at that. That's my attitude, it. and that'll probably never change. I think you changed that from uh, when we uh, from a hard it. no to yeah. like, nah, in 2019. Maybe, we were maybe talking as about a it. tool yeah. okay. in case one day my dollars don't work. Yeah, <laughs> that might be one of my my uh, you know side side amounts. But yes, that was my minor um, adjustment on that front. But not not to say again, I'm not trying to to uh, to poo poo it. Um, although I've poo pooed it many yeah. times. But with that, I think also like yeah. wine and art. Yeah. It's something I've done not because of cash flows. It doesn't cash flow, but it hedges Definitely. currency risk and inflation risk. It does. Yeah, absolutely. And I have I have gold and silver. I've talked about that many times. Doesn't cash flow. And that sucks. It's an insurance policy. Correct. Yeah, that's all it is. And you pay for insurance. Pay so for the it. pay is not getting cash flow as far as I, I see. And, and gold and silver are manipulated, which really sucks. Like they're they're so controlled by paper markets that you know the value isn't really the value. Like if it was, we know what inflation is. Why hasn't gold gone up in, in line? Hasn't it? Eh? No. Not not no. not touched, no. Um 
it will eventually like there'll come a tipping point i think anyways and not that i have a crystal ball okay so what is your uh, <clears throat> what is your specific goal with all of this my i'm 35 at the moment so i want in five years to be in a position where i want to work not need to work so five years to not need to work not need and having that choice i love what i do i love yeah. what i do but i know i can't my body can't take this i can't do this forever so yeah. can i develop income streams to take me out of that position so i can spend time doing things i want to do yeah I so it. yeah I, I think the choice is what i want to do and people i've talked to advisors i talked to friends they're like robin won't you be bored i said i have so many other things that keep me happy and keep me kind of having some sort of fulfillment you I, golf a lot i, 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 I <laughs> golf a terrible about you know that <laughs> but yeah things i, I wanted i just want to be in a position to have that choice and i don't yeah. think many of us have that ability or that choice yeah so that that's the big driving force that's huge yeah and, and that resonates with me a lot i mean I, I feel like you made a huge step to it with, with the Airbnb thing, although it's a bit of a job too. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's probably ways you can automate some of that. Mm -hmm. And and as you do it more, you'll find those ways. Mm -hmm. So um, that's awesome. Uh, and I couldn't agree more because like we said, this whole thing, you just never know when that day comes where you can't practice. And like you said, it is a pretty phys hands-on physical job. Uh, you got to be able to work with people physically. So, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, will you keep doing the Airbnb thing then? I will. I will yeah. now. And the goal in the next 12 months is to purchase something south of the border, looking at Florida or Arizona. And um, A, just buying a property to use for 85% of the years as a rental income and 50% of the year to use for myself. Mm -hmm. And understand the logistics of owning property as a Canadian citizen. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of kind of loop, not loopholes, uh, things you have to go through to yeah. get that situated correctly hoops, hoops to jump hoops, hoops to jump through correct yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of work which i learned um by throwing it at the wall and, and making changes and undoing mistakes that i made early on right yeah. like because i did this first time through in 2012 going into the states oh did, so. yeah ohio yeah, in ohio. yeah so yeah. that was my first crack at it yeah. and of course now i got better advice and better accountants and such but better property but, manager yeah no property manager that <laughs> that's that's the way i avoided that so far i mean we'll see we'll see yeah. once once uh once I get into the actual Airbnb side of things, I, and I'm, I'm adjusting because, like, like our market, that market is coming down too, but mm -hmm. not fast. Like okay. that market's coming down very, very gradually. Right. Um, and I think now that the hurricane destroyed some houses, it actually might push it back up. Fair. Um, but as long as we're in a declining market, even if it is extremely slow, um, I will uh, probably just keep selling. Okay. Keep building, selling, building, selling, and until it gets to a point where I could probably just even buy something and uh, you know, resale and Airbnb it, I'll do that. I'll just take my profits and funnel it into Smart. something resale. Might as well yeah. in that environment. Um, but yeah, I'm still bullish on warm weather climate. Absolutely. <laughs> even even if there was a hurricane, I, just, I still think like a lot of people down there are a little scared to like what's going to happen. You know, tourism's gone. I'm like, do you think people like the cold now? <laughs> now they just have less places to stay. Yeah. They're not going to avoid you just because you had a hurricane. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm actually thinking there's an incredible opportunity, and I've seen like rents down there are insane it's right. like nothing okay. available rents are up through the roof like kind of like not great looking stuff is like listed for 3500 with no pool uh 3500 a month for like a longer term rental that's not airbnb no uh, so you know i think that there's an opportunity even for some of my stuff to go close to five if i wanted to uh just rent it out like so 60 grand a year just on a clean a tenant yeah but i'd rather you know that's not going to really work that well I'd rather uh, get into the Airbnb side of things yep. with it. It's nice to know that you got that as a backup, though. That's why you bought it, right? You have yeah. two strategies to exit. That's you know, that's yeah. three. You know, I could sell. Yeah. You know, yep. could could rent it out. Uh, could Airbnb it? There's, I love that flexibility. Yep. So n again, not not to get tangent, um, but uh, yeah, studying into the U.S. and so now you've got that experience. You can now, now look at that. Fortunately, you know somebody who's done it, so you have yeah, somebody yeah. you can ask questions <laughs> to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've already talked about this a fair bit. Yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know, Robin's extremely good at golf, so that's how he woos you. Um, I play a lot of golf. <laughs> yeah, he, he shoots in the 70s, but then refuses to instruct you on how to get your golf swing better. <laughs> I'm not a coach. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> He'll coach you on other things, just yeah. not your swing. Just not your swing. <laughs> My res your response is, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. It just works. I honestly don't know, right? Yeah. Yeah. It works well. Okay, so if you had to go back in time and tell yourself something from, well, something that you know now, say you're, like you said, your 10 year ago self, yeah. what would that be? Take action, make mistakes. Yeah. Small ones, right? I think we are so fearful and fear will kill more dreams than failure ever will. But mm -hmm. we're so fearful of making uh, mistakes that we don't even take action. And then here's the thing, you'll wait 10, 15 years and you'll say, I wish I would have done that. And you mm -hmm. regret it. And that 15 years is gone. Yeah. So 
I always think about my future self before I make decisions, and if I think I'm going to regret the decision or not making decisions, I'll make that decision. Yeah, I agree. Like you gotta, you gotta take, you gotta take action even when it's uncomfortable. That's it. And I would say our camp was probably the one of the more uncomfortable things, like buying for me. But yeah. Sometimes, like for me, I just didn't want to sit around and not do, you know, something I thought was a good idea for my concerns about what the market might do or what might happen. Eventually, um, there comes a point for everyone and everyone's point is different, but you know, you just hit this point, you're like, okay, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. And do you regret making the decision now? No, I've learned a ton and you know, we've, we've got something we can build on and, and you know, lots of opportunity for the future, but it's work, it is work. Perfect, yeah, nothing but, worthwhile comes easy though, you know no, that. It hasn't been yeah, easy, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, you know s- straight up, but, uh, um, you know, what we've learned is very empowering, like what we'll be able to do with the knowledge and with the experience and, and with this specific asset too. And can anybody take that away from you? No. Can't, can't take the knowledge away. Perfect. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, then you build off of that, right? Like that, like the same thing goes with my first time going to the US. That was, I was very much the guy that would just pull the trigger and then figure it out back then. And I went far the other way where I just became super conservative with right. my investing decisions. Um, and I, for me, I need to land somewhere in the middle. Like can't, can't be too conservative, have to be somewhere in the middle. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I learned a ton from that back then. Like all those lessons carried forward and gave me the confidence to do it again. Like, oh, no brainer. If I could do that, I can do this. Yeah, I've already done that. Done this before. Made that mistake. We can do this again, but we'll do yeah. it right this time. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's also a good point. Like being in the middle, I, I'm a real estate investor by heart, but I think a lot of us are real estate investors, but we're very focused on real estate. And what I learned two years ago is that my real estate portfolio was cannibalizing my actual wealth portfolio because it took more and more share of it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, I'm very heavily concentrated in real estate. Yeah. And I think most of us in the in the game right now haven't lived through. T- uh, 1989 or 1992 when the Canadian housing market actually mm-hmm. went down. Mortgage rates were double digits and it wasn't sexy to be a real estate investor. And I don't know if we're gonna see that again, but I always tell my clients or my students is try to diversify if you can into other revenue streams yeah. and versus being Even super concentrated. Even other markets too, right? Markets like, like too, yeah. Like getting into Asian Ge- markets geographic or risk. something. Yeah. yeah, like just out of these, I mean, if you listen to like Peter Schiff, he'll talk about stuff like that. Uh, not that I, I haven't listened to him in a long time. Okay. Like people laugh, yeah. you brought up that name. No, no. Um, yeah, he's got an interesting He's an cynical. anti-Bitcoiner, so we yeah. Can <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. Uh, no, but he has some interesting perspectives on stuff for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, just getting into other markets, doing, you know, it's it's tough because I look at today and I th- I say real estate's probably the most bankable thing I see. Period. Like stock market doesn't give me any more comfort. Um, I I'm bullish on the right property. Yep. In Ontario right now, uh, I think there's opportunities and I think that there's a great way to get into the market right now at a price where the cash flow will be awesome. And even you know if we have some up and downs over the next five to ten years, you could still be very happy with that decision. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where my head's at now with Ontario. Um, as an investor, I think that's the mindset people need to have because we don't know what's going to happen. And the precedent historically when we have corrections is they take a while to sort themselves out. They don't just happen overnight. Oh, like the interest rates of the 80s didn't didn't come down until like 2000. Like it, it, took, it took from, and as far back as I could go, it was like 30 years ago. So it was like the early 80s. Um, it was like 15% uh, bond rate. Yeah, it, it took it took until like two thousand to come down to six. It's like yeah, it's not wild. Insane. And it was like a steady decline over that time frame. Yeah, if you look at the the ten yeah. year bond yeah. over the last forty years, yeah, yeah. it's been down and to the right. Yeah, exactly. That's up for now. Now, it's and like, now it's yeah, 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 now it's back touching up. boundaries. But uh, so you look at that precedent and and keeping that in mind, I think that we need to be comfortable with the higher interest rates for for some time. Yes, because yeah. it's historically low right now, but it's high relative to where it yeah. was, and that's that absolute versus relative. And this is why I think like. Canadian market versus U.S. market, big pro for the U.S. market. Not that there aren't negatives, sure there are, and this is not investment advice, but Americans have 30-year 30 30 mortgages. 15 and 30 years, yeah. A nice. lot of people have 30-year mortgages. Imagine what a, I saw the meme floating around, like the people who, uh, it was like just a picture of King, whatever his name is, Charles? Charles. Yeah, King Charles. Um, and it's like people who who locked into a thirty year fixed rate in twenty twenty one, and it's so happy. Yeah, what a difference that makes. But I, I think what that does is that actually takes the pressure off of people in the U S. Like they don't have this five year renewal coming up. Whereas you've got people here who got two percent mortgages in twenty seventeen and they're up for renewal. Yeah, two and a half probably back then. Um, and That's, then there you're gonna have your eighteens that they're, they're renewing. You know, into potentially six seven percent from. 
two, two and a half. Three xing, right? Yeah, that's not. So, so ultimately, what that translates to me to mean inventory. That means more supply onto the market. More people are going to say that renewal. Nah, we're selling. Yeah, we're selling. Uh, and then they go to sell, and then you have more supply on the market than you used to, which means more negotiating power for uh, a lot of buyers out there. So do you think the increase in rates going to make them, like, what I also, I would counter-argue with that is, like, yeah, increased rates going to make it more expensive, but they've also had, what, 20, 30% of increase in equity in their property. Yeah. So they might not be underwater or have that. No, no, no I'm not saying they're necessarily underwater, and that's why they have the ability to sell. Yeah. But they may not want to, they may look at it in their financial picture and say, that's not going to work as a payment for us. A payment, right. Just, it's just motivation to sell. It just stimulates supply. So not that that won't happen in the States. It will happen there, too. And there's some people who just, for one reason or other, need to move. I don't know if they can port their 30-year mortgages down there. That I don't know. If they can, then they're laughing. It, it, uh, it is, it's just, for me, that's a good reason to focus a little bit more as an investor in the U.S. Uh, I'm with Because it just affects the amount of supply in the market. Um, again, not to say that there's not some fantastic opportunities right here in Ontario right now. Um, have your eyes open like if they, you know people who who seek opportunities will see them we'll find them yeah you're yeah, right they will see them uh so they're there I, I really do believe you can make money within you know a kilometer of your own house um no matter who you are no matter where you are you just gotta you know you have to have the mindset to, to see that, that you're, you're so right because yeah when you have your guests on you're like holy cow this guy's doing this this i never thought about that never thought about that never, yeah exactly it's yeah. because if you ask the question your brain searches for the answer yeah right but people who say I can't versus how can I? That's Correct. two very different statements. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, I like that a lot. I use that a lot. Yeah, it's well, it's it's reframing, right? Like we we both obviously got into the education side of, of this, right? We educated ourselves. Financial literacy starts with just a pattern of thinking and, and asking the right questions. Some people that their brains just work like that, very few. Yeah. But uh, other people have to educate themselves and kind of rid themselves of the mind viruses, which I find most people in our community have done to some degree. To some degree, yeah. Yeah, especially the ones that make it out to the meetup. Like they're serious. They're they take mindset seriously. They Huge. they've already you know done a bunch of education and you know a lot of them have, have paid you know tens of thousands of dollars for training, coaching, coaching uh, yeah. formal education on on real estate investing yeah. and such. Yeah, and that's the number one first chapter yeah. of my course is mindset. Yeah, because if you don't have that, we don't have much. Yeah. So, is there a book coming and all this? I have ebooks. Yeah. yeah, I created some ebooks. Took some time, but they're yeah. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I can't write very well, so it's an ebook. But yeah, they're yeah. online. You gotta yeah. hire uh, somebody to help you write them. Okay. I asked my mom. She's very critical of my speaking and my writing. She's an yeah. English major, so yeah, she's particular. So she's hired. There you go. <laughs> Mom's not very tech savvy, but yes, I can ask her. You can her. dictate into the phone. <laughs> yeah. This is the way I think. You dictate it into the phone and let them type it down. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the right way to do it. Um, Robin, did we were there any parts of the kind of the course or the message you wanted to iterate that we haven't already covered? No, I think we're we're in a favorable situation right now living in Canada. There's a lot of opportunity available to us. It's just um, getting out of your comfort zone, taking action. Don't be afraid to make mistakes, and surround yourself with people who are more intellectually gifted than you are, but you have the willingness to learn, and you'll go far. Yeah, that attitude to, to learn. Right. Yeah. Admit you know nothing. Like That's at it. the end of the day, in the grand scheme of all the things there are to know, we all know just just this side of nothing <laughs> you're right <laughs> if that's yeah. the mind frame you have i think you'll do all right everything's a learning opportunity yeah exactly and and, and then there's the other portion of the population the 99 percent that think they know it all and i was i was that way when i exited yeah. school because you're told you know, rob you have a master's degree you're, you got to know something and mm-hmm. I, you thought that way and i'm like i'm so dumb back oh, then you know i nothing. used to think i knew like just knew it all i i was such a idiot <laughs> agreed same here and it, it kneecaps you from learning more at that oh, age you yeah. just dismiss it yeah what, what's that what do they call that that's um unconscious incompetence uh, yeah that's, <laughs> you don't want to be there <laughs> not knowing that you're incompetent uh, hitting hitting conscious incompetence is a is a real achievement because then then you can start rebuilding there from there yeah yeah <laughs> Um, okay, so one more thing I wanted to ask you about is obviously um, options trading. Irwin came on the show a few mm-hmm. episodes back, mm-hmm. said uh, he didn't know anybody who hadn't lost money this year except for, um, what's his name that wrote the book? The uh, Derek name? Foster Derek or Lee Foster. Lowell? Derek yeah. Foster. Derek yeah, Foster, right. yeah. Um, how has that gone for you? What, option, what opportunity are you kind of um, 
seeking in that space right now with everything that's happened? So yeah, I've been assigned a few positions and uh, I think uh, you had Mark on earlier, he was talking about writing cover calls against them, so that's what I've been doing. So I have the positions, I own the the, the two or three stocks and now I'm just writing calls against them and deriving income from it. Okay. So it's still a negative in my portfolio. I think I'm down 8% uh, versus other parts where I may be down 20% in a buy and hold strategy. Okay. So it's the least, it's the lowest loser. So you're clawing your way back out of it slowly? That's it. And I yeah. I only have 60% of my um, portfolio invested. The other 30% is on hand because mm-hmm. I don't want to be fully invested and nor yeah. do I take any leverage. So if there's an opportunity that I want to purchase. Yeah, you still have the opportunity have to that. make it back. Yeah. Correct. So. Yeah, I'd be very curious if Derek Foster would come on. Although he's not a real estate investor, so it's just tough. But that'd be a B episode, I guess. Uh, I'd be very curious how he did yeah. that. But uh, what Erwin was saying, now he's shorting uh, shorting the market. So somebody's obviously willing to take the bet. He's just oh, like yeah. basically placing bets. Okay. Um, like out, outright shorts, or are you selling puts? He's or doing shorts. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that that was like the probably single toughest converse, uh, concept to learn for me. Borrowing I, something. I, a guy who told me what a short was, I'm like, He's like, you're placing a bet. I'm like, but who's taking your bet? <laughs> People are going long, right? Yeah. yeah. There's always a second. Is that how it, how it works? Like yeah. there's just somebody uh, somebody who's betting the market will go back up and then that's, right. oh, interesting. There's always another side to yeah. your position. Yeah. And I might think Apple's the greatest thing. You might think it's garbage because you're a Google yeah, person. Yeah, for all the puts you sell, there's yeah. people buying them. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's so interesting. And, I mean, I I just look at that, that space as a, a lot of work to learn and I'm good with what I'm doing, but <laughs> but uh, it, it's definitely uh, fascinating to chat about, and a lot of people are doing it, so I'm always curious. Do you know why I love it so much? Because in between clients, if they're late or um, they don't show up, I can rock out a trade and still make two hours of work in that one trade. Yeah. And so the flexibility, and I'm big on independence of location, independence of my time, yeah. too, so I can do it in Florida if I want to. That's, I need mm-hmm. a phone, that's it. So it's another revenue stream. It's yeah. not my only one, but it's another one I can do, which is uh, yeah. really attractive to me. Yeah, I want that one guy, um, his name just gave me, I apologize if he's listening right now, but I golfed with him in Florida, and he happened to be down there when I was down there, and he, he said he'd replaced his income. This was obviously before all this happened, but I'd love to catch up with him and talk to him. But, um, you know, basically, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what he was making, like 10 20 a month wow. <laughs> See, but uh, hey that's kind of cool hey you have bank some people have bank rolls of a million dollars and they're making one percent a month yeah oh, yeah but he wasn't in that he was doing a more aggressive strategy okay but um, yeah I hope I hope it worked out well for him I'd love to catch up with him and talk to him the name did come back to me but I'm okay. not gonna share his name right now okay yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, anyways okay so Robin I uh, appreciate you doing this thank you Andrew likewise it's, uh, it's nice to uh, catch up with you. We'll have to go, go out to the golf simulator. Yeah, now it's winter, yeah. Now it's winter. Or the golf course behind my house. They're open year-round. Okay, well, I appreciate this, and uh, let's get out and catch up again soon. And uh, I'll talk to you then. Thank you, Andrew. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines.